What is up, Lit and Lucid Podcast fans? We are happy to have you back for season six of the show. This season is brought to you by Lit Dispensary and Steve's Goods, both located in the beautiful state of Colorado. Visit our website, litlucid.com, to learn more about our two sponsors and to view our previous episodes. And if you are enjoying the show, be sure to share with a friend and give us a review on your favorite platform. Without further ado, here are your hosts, Lucy and Jared. Welcome, everybody, to the Lit and Lucid podcast. We are here recording another episode of the show. We have returning guest Ben Gelt from episode 32 of hashtag What's in My Weed. Ben Gelt is the board chair of the Cannabis Certification Council here in Denver, Colorado. Uh, they are getting ready to host the fourth annual sustainability symposium on October 4th in Denver, Colorado. Uh, so last year, I know when we talked to Ben, I think it was after the symposium had already occurred. So this year, we figured we would get in touch with him a little bit earlier, kind of learn a little bit more about what the symposium has to offer. And for anybody local or, you know, in surrounding states interested in attending, they could come out for the symposium. Uh, so with that, Ben, I think let's just get started. Why don't you explain to our listeners a little bit more about what the symposium has to offer and a little bit more about the Certification Council? <laughs> Sure. Um, thank you guys for having me back. It's really an honor. You guys have been killing it with the show and uh, with all the different guests that you have. I feel really um, just uh, privileged to be back. It's just been bringing, bringing in some great people. So, um, and also thank you for the platform for the symposium and everything else that we do. So about the symposium, it's October 4th here in Denver. Um, and we're actually doing another smaller show later in October in Worcester, Massachusetts on October 29th. Um, and we'll have more information about that coming out in the next week or so, which I'm very excited about. But the Denver show uh, will be in downtown Denver uh, once again. And, you know, this year uh, being our fourth year, one of the things that we focused on with the content, which we've always um, received tremendous feedback on and has always been geared towards um, business owners and decision makers, um, giving them, you know, sustainable practices and um, actionable information that, that these people can take back to their businesses and put into play. Um, and if it's not that, <clears throat> excuse me, we've, we've focused on uh, finding, you know, policy and regulatory look-aheads to offer to the same people so that they can anticipate changes uh, that are coming or, or learn about opportunities via policy or regulatory change. So this year, one of the things that we focused on is, is to really just elevate that level of discourse even further and kind of take it from, you know, maybe uh, a second year to maybe a graduate level um, discourse. So, you know, this thing, this year we have stuff like advanced farming techniques and positioning your market, marketing to demonstrate sustain, sustainability. Um, we have a keynote speaker coming in from Portland, Oregon, a woman named Dr. Rachel Knox, who's really an incredibly impressive lady. She and her family are all doctors, and um, they're an African-American family, and she is has really been spearheading a lot of their research and a lot of their work, and has become a, an incredibly vocal advocate for quality production, for sustainable production, for equitable uh, and social inclusion in the industry. Um, she's just been a, a shining light, I would say, in the industry. So having 
Dr. Knox as the keynote, I think, is going to be extraordinarily compelling. Um, we've done some things this year with the format to just shake it up. We have some plenary speakers that are going to be giving sort of short talks to the entire audience um, that are that are high-profile people, you know, like national grocers. And there's some great folks coming in. So, you know, the symposium is a national event, really, for the cannabis industry. Um, we've attracted people from all over the world every year, and this year that continues. Um, so, you know, we we typically get you know several hundred people coming. Most of them are C-level management, um, high-level operational folks who are coming to really learn um, what they can do with their businesses to to be more sustainable, which typically translates to you know having a lower cost of doing business and a higher uh, return over time, uh, which is not only environmentally sustainable, but obviously financially sustainable. So we really try to, to marry that, um, you know, best practices with, with economic terms and, and, uh, optimal business outcomes. So again, it's, it's, it's been a great event that's grown year over year. This year we have partners like MJ Biz Daily and, uh, Grasslands Agency, that are really helping us gain visibility and profile even more. Um, and, you know, it's just, it's a powerful event. Yeah, no, it sounds like it. I think bringing on Dr. Rachel Knox is huge. And um, I think also expanding your, your content to the East Coast is going to be, is going to be huge as well, because, you know, as this train of legalization keeps moving forward, uh, it's the East Coast that's going to start opening up. I think the West Coast is, is pretty well established right now. So, um, are you seeing a lot of movement in regulatory, a lot of these regulatory agencies trying to implement um, sustainability in their policies as they move forward, or is it still kind of a grassroots uh, kind of policy coming through the operators type of movement? You know, it's a mix. Um, certainly, uh, Massachusetts and California, I'd say, are at the very cutting edge of, of having policy that's really focused specifically on energy and other issues regarding consumption and, and the carbon footprint of the industry. Um, I think there's a long way to go to get to kind of an ideal place. Um, but beyond those markets, you know, I think all markets are thinking about it and cognizant of it. And I think operators are also doing their part because again, um, you know, there's the PR value of it and, the, you know, consumers like it and it sounds good. But over time, you know, it, it does cost less money to use less energy. And if you can be more efficient uh, and sustainable in your business and lower the cost of your business uh, and, and either improve your outcomes or, or maintain your outcomes, you're by definition growing your margins, um, which makes the business more valuable and profitable and sustainable. So it's a, it's a mix, Jared. You know, there's a long way to go broadly, you know, universally with um, energy policy and, and everything else regarding carbon and pollution and, and the environment. Um, and cannabis certainly can play a role. And I think, like in many categories, cannabis has an opportunity to play an outsized role because it's such a visible industry because of its history and its nascency now as a legal industry. Um, you know, things that this industry decides to do early can be, you know, sort of a, a, a beacon to other industry that, hey, you know, here's this industrialized sector that's making decisions to be more environmentally sustainable. 
Yeah. And that's what really stuck out last year with the keynote speaker. He was from the beer industry and he said, you know, he had been pushing sustainability policies for 15, 20 years. And finally now they're just, you know, coming on board. And, you know, that was, you know, a real shocker. And it's like, you know, the cannabis industry should look at that now, you know, being so young and they have the opportunity to make those changes now. So we're not paying, playing catch up in the next 10, 15 years. hundred percent. I mean, it, and it's true in so many categories with cannabis where there's an opportunity to uh, codify higher set of standards for how uh, a, a business or a, or a you know an industry is going to behave, um, and I think with with one like cannabis, where at the outset a lot of the production has been in urban areas and concentrated in indoor facilities uh, that that tend to have a, a fairly significant carbon footprint. Um, there's such an opportunity because it's still early days to to do better. And to say this is the path forward and this is a model that can work uh, and and really, you know, not just in cannabis, but can also work in in local food production and and have real ramifications on how uh, society functions. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. I read an article today and uh, we're going to share a little bit later, maybe on the podcast too, but it talks about how um, sustainability is somewhat a secret in some industries because consumers have this perception that an industry or a business becoming sustainable is going to increase their cost of goods. And so there's a lot of these uh, business to business companies, mainly that don't want to, you know, they don't want the PR benefit of saying we're sustainable because they're worried that their suppliers or people they buy from are going to worry that that's going to increase the cost. And so I know that's kind of a huge barrier that comes up at a lot of these uh, conversations regarding sustainability and using organic practices and trying to be conscious. I mean, is that really, I mean, the, the article I read totally debunked it, but just to hear it from you with the cannabis industry, is it really a, a factor where it costs really, you know, sets a gate, I guess, in sustainability? There is a cost factor. I mean, part of the issue is, and this is again, not just confined to cannabis, but um, you know, part of the issue is that uh, if you have a pre-existing set of conditions, in this case, say, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lot of indoor production, right? The yeah. preponderance of production being from indoor facilities, and all of those facilities have been built, say, at least five, if not ten or more years ago, um, and they were all filled with HPS, you know, they've already got their investment kind of going. And if you're an, if you're an existing concern and you're and you're looking at buying, say, a whole new set of lights, that can be a very significant expenditure, and it can be hard to rationalize it if you're looking at a business that's already functioning and already has its margins and is already profitable. Um, to suddenly take on a massive uh, expenditure can can upset that, um, and I, I think you know again that's not limited to just cannabis. Um, but you know, other industries have developed rebates and, and other mechanisms to soften the, the cash flow blow of these costs, and, and those same things are happening in cannabis. And the other thing I think you know that that sort of under undermines the suggestion that cost is a barrier is that for successful businesses, 
um, they, they're always looking for ways to lower their cost. And, you know, one of the oldest sayings and most common sayings is you got to spend money to make money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what that really means is, is that, um, you know, if today your margins are two, but you can spend, you know, whatever amount of money to get your margins to be four, um, you, you spend that money and you, you, you carry that cost over time so that, you know, maybe in year one, your margins only grow a little bit. But by the time you really realize that return, you've doubled or tripled your margin. And, and that's how you recapture those expenditures. And, you know, people much smarter than I am know how to do the financing on this stuff. And it's, it's not rocket science. You know, it, it does pay for itself. Um, can everybody afford to do it at the drop of a hat? Certainly not. But that's also, you know, how markets work. And it's okay. Uh, if people differentiate and it's okay if, if some people aren't able to ultimately be successful. So, you know, cost is an issue, but cost is an issue to enter into any business in any phase. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's not, it's not really a meaningful, uh, point in my, in my opinion. Yeah. And I think there's other things that come into, into play as well. I mean, health and safety is a big one that I know we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show. Um, but I think that's a very important one. You shouldn't be sacrificing cost uh, for health and safety issues down the road, uh, whether that be using you know organic or glyphosate-free pesticides, things like that, or uh, no-till right. soils. Um, there's a number of ways to, uh, to be conscious, and, and cost should not be a factor in those decisions. That's what we're trying to get away from with the whole sustainability movement. <laughs> well, I mean, it still has to be a profitable business, guys. You can't operate a business that doesn't pay the employees and cover the cost of the, of the operation and pay the owners some sort of dividend. But, um, you know, again, I I think particularly when you're looking at, um, sustainable practices and and what's out there that's available, most of that's of, of those practices. Like if you read the, the best practices manual that the, Cannabis Sustainability Working Group puts out. It's the same group that puts on the symposium in partnership with the Certification Council. Um, you know, a lot of that stuff is 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 just simple ways to become more efficient, to lower your costs, to to make things easier for employees to do, um, and to increase your margins. And so, you know, it, it's all it's all possible. It's just really about business owners committing to doing it. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, and I even think about the energy consumption, and I know um, last year when we spoke, uh, there was a lot of articles coming out real heavy, even in the Denver area, about the energy footprint of uh, indoor cannabis companies. And that's one of those right. where it does cost money. Those HPS lights are very costly, and, and the switch to LED, yeah, it costs money to switch hardware-wise, but you're saving a great deal down the line. And so that's more of like, you know, any business owner is going to look at that as an investment, like you mentioned. It's going to be... You know, you, a lot of capital up front, but the expenditures and and the dividends down the line are going to pay off. Yeah. So that's, and that's specifically it's... one of the areas where I think rebates are, are developing, and, and some areas already have rebates. And there are people in our network that work with businesses to achieve those rebates. And um, I, I think there's a lot that's coming down the line to help uh, drive this process and, and make it more attractive and, and, and lower the barrier or perceived barrier, I should say. Yeah, that's a, yeah. Perceived barrier is a great point. I love that. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. or, you know, like I like the people, kind of like the Grow Geo who are coming up with innovative, you know, greenhouses where they're using sun-grown, but then they're also working through mechanisms where it's kind of an indoor grow as well, and they're reducing the need for the lights. So there's many different ways that people can go about being sustainable. It's really just, you know, kind of doing your research and looking into what options are feasible for your company. Right. Like one of our speakers is Jesse Peters, who's who's been really widely acclaimed for his approach. He's, he's been buying energy credits and using renewable energy to power his facilities uh, in Oregon, which is at a very difficult time as a market overall. And he's been able to protect the, the different enterprises that he's been a part of because of his extraordinarily low cost of production, which is almost entirely based on is, is like infinitesimally small uh, energy bills. You know, he is paying cents on the dollar compared to most users for his energy, and it, it allows his pound, you know, cost per pound to just be as low as you can imagine. So, yeah. uh, you know, and Jesse again is going to be speaking uh, at the symposium. His his current enterprise is Mantis Investments, and he's he's a really interesting guy. So. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of options out there, and it just takes some creativity and a willingness to kind of break from the norm, which is the other, I think, challenge in, in cannabis and also universally is, you know, there's a way things have been done, and people are successful with it, and there's skepticism about, you know, a, a different methodology, and if that will produce the same results or or lesser results or better results, and people like certainty. So, you know, a lot of the challenges really are psychic, but there's a lot of examples out there that dispel the myths. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I think it's good for just operators that are just now getting into the space um, just to do your research and come to the symposium and soak up the content and make those decisions yourself and just figure out, you know, what works best for your, for your operation. Everybody is right. different, and you can almost incorporate um, I mean, what do you guys have? There's six different tracks, I believe, or of different um, programming. And I mean, there's basically at the very minimum six different avenues for you to incorporate sustainability into your business from packaging to soil to mm-hmm. cultivation, energy. Yeah. Uh, it's endless. Yeah. Water, IPM, Water. labor, yeah. um, social engagement. There you you know, there's, there's so many yeah. elements when you're looking at the full spectrum of, of being a sustainable business. And we do try to touch on all the kind of core themes at the symposium and even our even our uh, sponsors like rhythm and series greenhouses and proco led and smokies 420 uh, most of which are national businesses they all have a sustainable focus and a sustainable element to what they're doing so you know the symposium is really as i said earlier it's become this national touchstone event for companies and you know ancillary businesses that have a sustainable focus or a sustainable element. It's it's a it's been a great uh, community building uh, platform, and I think that's what we've really done. So, you know, I think again for people that are looking for that kind of information and those kinds of answers, this is you know the symposium really is the best place to go to get it. So, Denver, October fourth, and then a smaller event in in. In, in Worcester, Massachusetts, and we'll be doing other smaller events around the country in 2020, which we're very excited about. Yeah. And for anybody interested in getting tickets to those events, you can follow us um, online on Instagram and Facebook, as well as CannabisSustainability.org, where you can find more information about all the agendas and everything coming up for those events. 
Um, but yeah, we'd love to have you in Denver in October. I know we went last year. It was our first time, but it was very educational. Uh, it's not your typical, you know, kind of like MJ biz or like, you know, where there's so many booths and it's overwhelming and things like that. It's a much more intimate setting, uh, high level education. Um, so definitely check it out. So with that, let's kind of switch gears. Um, the Certification Council also runs an online hashtag what's in my weed. Um, so it's a social media movement where we're really focusing on consumer transparency and education. So for those of you who are interested in, you know, eating organic produce and you're not eating, you know, GMO modified foods, you probably are interested in not eating and consuming those types of things with your cannabis products. Uh, so the hashtag what's in your weed is encouraging you to ask those types of questions know who your farmer is understand what the inputs are to your cannabis products um, and things like that and right now there's various issues going on with vape cartridges across the United States and these concerns you know with lung disease um, so Ben why don't you explain to us a little bit more kind of why what's in my weed is important for what's going on right now in the world yeah uh, th thank you I mean it, to me it's such an important issue for for the cannabis industry to get in front of because there's there's serious public health and safety implications and we're we're just starting to see it now so to be clear um, most of these cases that are happening when it involves cannabis are in black market um, situations where you still don't have adult use or even a, a really um, highly established medical uh, regimen, um, but it does still really serve to highlight the importance of, of this kind of misnomer that cannabis is, is just clean because because it's because it is, um, you know, there's so much to unpack here, guys. You know, the, the bottom line is, is that, you know, even states like Colorado that were the very first out of the gate have have huge holes in their testing procedures you know colorado only tests for 13 pesticides um, as part of their required testing there are tens of thousands of pesticide products that exist so uh, an unscrupulous uh, producer can can use any number of pesticides that may be banned by the state but aren't effectively tested for um, and get away with it so you have this issue of you know potentially gray market or illicit market or maybe, um, you know, poor quality uh, commercial production that's going out the back door and getting put into these vape things and um, into edibles and what have you. Um, and, and with the vapes, obviously, people are getting quite ill. So it just, to me, it, it underscores the, the need for a more clear set of standards. Um, it's something that we at the council have <clears throat> looked at before developing an organic-like standard, and it's something that we're working with partners from all over the country uh, to start doing. Hopefully, at the end of this fall, we'll be launching a program to develop uh, a standard called Organically Grown. Um, we're working with a small coalition here in Colorado that will be um, advancing some legislation in, in next year's legislative body. Uh, to establish an organic-like program uh, in Colorado. And the model that we're looking at would have the state simply approve third-party models. Um, so we think that that's something that's highly replicable and scalable to other states as we wait kind of for the federal government to, uh, you know, <laughs> deschedule and decriminalize cannabis. Um, 
So, you know, I think, again, this this babe stuff is is terrifying, really. And I I think it it highlights why, you know, something like what's in my weed is so important because so many consumers today are concerned about, you know, the quality of their food and where it comes from. And, you know, the organic production in the United States doesn't meet the demand. You know, we consume 100% of the production. So there's clearly a market for it. And the, the idea with what's in my weed is to help consumers understand that none of those protections exist in cannabis. And again, I think the vape thing really illustrates that, that, those, that those guardrails don't, aren't there. Uh, and most consumers think that they are because they are in almost every other category. So um, hopefully it's, a, it's another kind of impetus towards change because this is just about the worst thing possible. People are getting extremely sick and dying. Uh, yeah. So it's something that hopefully we can address very soon. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think it's something that um, unfortunately maybe that just, maybe this is kind of the attention it needed to start getting some credence to, to push the movement forward and, and to help start developing these standards. And um, I know the council does a great job of, of being that arm to communicate and, and kind of stay in the loop. And uh, we commend you guys for, for doing that for consumers, really is who's it about at the end of the day. It's for the consumers. So. Thank you for that, Ben, and everybody else who helps with it. Yeah, and you know, for people that are interested in that, you can go to whatsinmyweed.org, um, and there's some good information there. There's some ability to sign up and be in touch with us, um, and hopefully we'll have some exciting information to share with the world in the fall through next summer as we work on developing a standard and passing that legislation and, and having everything kind of roll out in a way that the legislation would be enacted and our standard uh, would be published. Um, and again, something that we think is really highly scalable um, where other states can say, here's a model that we can adopt <clears throat> to bring some standards into our uh, regulatory system so that consumers can have a, a more clear choice about, okay, here's an organic, here's a conventional, here's why I'm going to pay you know, a percentage of a, of a premium for this organic. And I think for the industry people that are listening, you know, strawberries get a 55% premium organic or over conventional strawberry. So if we can get a, a 10% premium on cannabis, you know, the price per gram on cannabis is far more attractive than the price per gram on a strawberry. So yeah. the, the numbers are there, just like on the sustainability side where, the investment truly does have return. The same is true on organic, and it's just a matter of having the market coalesce and having a more meaningful spectrum of quality and price, uh, as opposed to everything being kind of driven by marketing and a race to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah, we're excited too. We're excited to see a more sophisticated approach to it. And um, you know, I do think all these things are natural movements in the industry. I mean, it's. It's a still a very new industry, and um, these things are going to shake itself out. And um, I think it's a great conversation to be having right now. Now that we're, I mean, we're still fresh in this. So uh, glad to have you on, Ben. And I'm glad to uh, to see somebody taking the bull by its horns and and taking an issue like this seriously, and and really kind of driving driving to do something with it. And I think the organic standard would be a great step in the right direction. And uh, everything else you guys are doing, I think you guys are doing a great job. Thank you. You guys are great, and I appreciate the praise so much, and I appreciate the platform to talk about it. So thank you, guys. Yep.
Yeah, well, we will wrap up. Um, if anybody has any more questions about what's in my weed, uh, go to CannabisSustainability.org or follow us on Instagram, CannaCert Council, um, on Facebook and Instagram as well. Uh, we have lots of good information there. Or just reach out and start using the hashtag. Encourage your friends to hashtag what's in my weed. Um, there's also a really amazing movement going on right now. Hashtag Know Your Farmer series uh, through the Go- Grow Sisters. Yeah. She's running a great series on Instagram as well um, about knowing your farmer and really learning more about you know all the local farmers out in California and Oregon as well. Um, so yeah, I encourage you to just research and learn more about these movements and vote with your dollar. I know Amy of Legal Service. She's one of the only organic certifi- certified um, dispensaries here locally in Denver. So if you're looking for quality yeah. cannabis products, definitely check out Legal. Uh, but she and encourages also a, people. A symposium sponsor and a What's in My Weed sponsor, and a, 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 Amy's a board member and. They've been ardent supporters and huge, huge activists on these issues. They're, they're terrific. They have clean green certification, which is an organic life standard. Um, and they're one of the very, very few in the whole state of Colorado. I think there's just three. Um, yeah. So they're great people and they have a, a really nice little store and, and a terrific, terrific production. Yeah. So definitely vote with your dollars if this is something that you're concerned about. Um, looking for clean cannabis products, legal is a good option for you locally. Um, and yeah, we hope to see you at the symposium in Denver on October 4th. And I think we're going to be doing a fun giveaway on our Instagram when this episode airs. So look forward to that. And maybe you can win some tickets to the event. Giveaway. There we go. <laughs> there we go, guys. So sustainable future. That's that's what we're trying to push here. And uh, we hope all of you guys listening help to, uh, to usher in the sustainable future and, and do your part. All right, you guys, with that, I'm lit. I'm lucid. And that's it. Later. Introducing Lit Dispensary, Denver's newest cannabis experience. Ample parking, large selection, the best prices on high-quality cannabis in Denver. Ounces starting at $79, live resin at $20 a gram. Come by and smell for yourself. 1630 Federal Boulevard, Denver, Colorado. 303-455-9333. We have known Steve for over a year now and find his products to be one of the most reputable sources of CBD and other cannabis products on the market. With so many imitation oils being sold online, it's important to source products from companies you trust. Steve's Goods is that company. Steve's Goods is an award-winning Colorado-based CBD company offering organic and locally sourced products at unbeatable prices. Visit www.stevesgoods.com for more info.